0: Your salvation is eternally secure. Welcome to Cutting It Straight with Pastor H.B. Charles, Jr., author, pastor, teacher at Shiloh Church in Jacksonville and Orange Park, Florida. In today's text, out of Romans chapter 8, Pastor Charles will show us the security you have in Jesus. Today's message, Case Closed. And now, here's Pastor H.B. Charles Jr.
1: Romans 8, verse 34. And in the English Standard Version of the Bible, the reading is this. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, was raised, was at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Amen. You may be seated. This is God's word. I want to label the message today simply, case closed. <laughs> case you are a criminal the law has finally caught up with you you are arrested convicted and sentenced the punishment is just you receive the death penalty there you sit on death row waiting for that inevitable day when justice comes. You preoccupy yourself with whatever you can in your cell, but nothing can disguise the reality of your impending doom. You are forced to think about it afresh every time you hear footsteps pass outside your cell. One day, those footsteps stop outside your cell door. The door opens and in walks the judge who sentenced you to death. He has come to personally inform you that you are free to go. None of this makes sense to you. Or you're not going to hang around trying to figure it out. You start collecting your stuff to leave. And as they escort you out, they escort a man into your cell. You ask the obvious, who is that? The judge explains When he oversaw your case, his heart went out to you in compassion, but justice had to be rendered, and so he rightly sentenced you to death, but after the case, he continued to be moved with compassion for you and one day discussed your dilemma with the one who is now being taken into your cell. When he heard the judge tell your story, he too was moved with compassion and volunteered to take your place. But The judge wants to make it clear. He did not take your place because he has done anything wrong. He's the best person I have ever met, says the judge. And I ought to know because he's my son. No judge in the world would do that. But that is exactly what happens for every sinner who turns himself in. Throws himself on the mercy of God and trusts Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. When you trust Christ as your Savior, your case is closed forever. This is the good news of Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39 is about the eternal security of the believer. The one who is justified by faith in Christ alone is saved forever. No person can take away your salvation. Verse 31. Ask, what then shall we say to these things if God is for us, who can be against us? God the Father will not take away your salvation. Verse 32, ask, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things. Satan cannot take away your salvation. Verse 33 asks who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. The Lord Jesus Christ himself will not take away your salvation. That's the point of verse 34. Who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. The picture is a court of law. Charges have been brought against you, but God, the judge, justifies you. In fact, justification is the theme of the book of Romans. It is a forensic or legal term that simply means to declare righteous. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 indicts us all. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So the question, really this is the, the question that the whole Bible is about. This is the point of the Bible. How can sinful people like you and me get right with a holy God? Romans is written to answer that question. and In Romans chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, Paul writes, Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Hear these two sentences very clearly, friend. God does not justify self-righteous people who try to work for salvation. God justifies ungodly godly people who trust the blood and righteousness of Christ for salvation so Romans 8 verse 1 declares there is therefore now no condemnation how much condemnation no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus Thus, verse 34, rightly ask, who is to condemn? For the record, Jesus Christ is the only person in the world who has the right to condemn. Romans chapter 2 verse 16 says that God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. God has committed all judgment to his Son. Jesus Christ is the only person who has the right to judge. But he will never judge those whom he saves. That's the message of Romans chapter 8, verse 34. If you trust Jesus as your Savior and Lord, your case before God is closed forever. Verse 34 begins with a question Who can condemn the person that's in Christ? And he gives four answers to that question. Those four answers are four reasons why your case is closed if you trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Reason number one. Your case is closed because of the bloody cross of Jesus Christ. Case closed because of the bloody cross. Verse 34 says, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. Praise God for the righteous life of Jesus. Praise God for the wise teachings of Jesus. Praise God for the matchless miracles of Jesus. But none of these things would have availed anything for our salvation if Jesus had not died. We can live because Jesus died. He died. He was born to die. (laughs) When he was born and by the Virgin Mary they wrapped him in swaddling clothes. We said oh isn't that sweet? No that's not sweet swaddling clothes, were grave clothes. At his birth, he was dressed to die. He He was born to die. In that regard, that's no different than every leader of a historic world religion. Every religious leader in the world has died. But yet, it is the death of Jesus that makes Christianity distinct. Jesus died. He died on the cross. First Corinthians 1, verse 23 calls it a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But what makes it unique is not merely the manner of it. What makes it unique is the reason for it. Jesus did not die on the cross because he was a political nuisance to the Romans or because he was a religious nonconformist to the Jews. He died, big word alert, as a substitutionary atonement for sin. Let me break it down substitutionary atonement just means it should have been you (laughs) and it should have been me but he took our place. 700 years at least before the birth of Christ Isaiah 53 verses 4 through 6 predicts his death saying surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wombs we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him... The iniquity of us all. When the Swiss theologian Karl Barth was asked by his students what the most important word of the New Testament was, he declared that it was Hooper, the Greek preposition that means in the place of or on behalf of. It's commonly translated simply for. And when he said that Hooper is the most important word in the New Testament, Barth was saying that the most important Truth of the Bible is that when Jesus died at the cross, he died to take our place. He died in our stead. He died for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. As Jesus died on the cross, God treated Jesus as if he had committed all of your sins so that by faith in Christ, he could treat you as if you had performed all of the righteousness of Christ. This is the good news of salvation. In fact, the good news, if I may, is... Bad news, worse news, good news, and best news. The bad news today, friend, is that we are sinners, every one of us are sinners who will have to answer to God for how we have lived. The worst news is that there is nothing any of us can do to make ourselves right with God. The good news is Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins. And the best news is today, if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can have free forgiveness, new life, and eternal hope today. (laughs) Hallelujah. Case closed. Because of the bloody cross. Secondly, case closed because of the empty tomb of Jesus Christ. Verse 34 again says, Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. We are justified by faith in the finished work of Christ cross. Finished work of Christ means at the cross, Jesus paid it all. John 19 verse 30, Jesus said from the cross, it is finished. He did not say I made a down payment. He said it is finished. Yet after mentioning the death of Christ. Verse 34 gives a second reason why your case is closed if you trust in Jesus. More than that, he was raised. Romans chapter 4 verse 25 says he was delivered up For our transgressions and raised for our justification. Jesus died at the cross because of our transgressions against the law of God. Our rebellion against the government of God. How do we know that Jesus paid it all at the cross? How do we know? That he is truly the son of God. How do we know that he actually lived a sinless life? How do we know that his death accomplished a substitutionary atonement for sin? We know because, verse 34 says, Christ Jesus died and more than that, he was raised. Charles Spurgeon wrote, it is true that death was the payment of the debt, but resurrection was the public announcement that the debt was paid. Jesus paid it all. And to declare that he had the receipt, God raised Jesus from the dead." In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, Paul says, I delivered to you of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture. He was buried and that he rose on the third day in accordance with the Scripture. And then verse 5 says that he was seen by Cephas and then by the twelve. And then he was seen by at least 500 people at the same time. And then Paul says, and then I saw him those are the historical facts upon which our salvation rests. Here they are. Listen. Jesus died and was buried. He rose and he appeared. He died. How do we know he died? He was buried. But he rose. How do we know he rose? Because people saw him. In fact, notice the language here in verse 34. When I was a boy growing up in church, every sermon talked about the resurrection at one point or another. That was the climax of the message and the preacher would say early Sunday morning, he got up. But that ain't what Paul says. Paul doesn't say he got up. It says he was raised. This passive language. It's meant to indicate that the resurrection was no independent act. God raised Jesus as his stamp of approval on the death of Jesus to pay for your sins and mine. He was raised. Notice the phrase here. More than that, who was raised? Jesus paid it all at the cross. And yet, Paul says, even though he paid it all on the cross, somehow more than that, he was raised. More than that, he was raised. This is the hope of our salvation. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is what? Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you will be saved for with the heart man believes and is justified and with the mouth man confesses and is saved. An old preacher gave a talk to a group of college students afterward a young man came up to tell the old preacher how impressed he was it was to him the most reasoned logical defense of faith he had ever heard and yet the young man said it's obvious you are an intellectual but if you are truly an intellectual why would you believe in Jesus instead of following Jesus you ought to Follow a true intellectual like Socrates, he said. Jesus died like a mere man on the cross. But before his death, when he was confronted and condemned, Socrates being given poison wine to drink, drank the wine and then sat down and died like a God. Why would you follow Jesus and not Socrates? The old preacher thought about it and said, that's a good point, young man. I never considered that. You may be right. Jesus did die like a mere man and Socrates died like a God, but I'm sticking with Jesus because three days later, Socrates was still dead like a man. (laughs) But Jesus rose as God with all power in his hand. Case closed because of the bloody cross, because of the empty tomb, and thirdly, because of the occupied throne of Jesus Christ. Verse 34 again. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God. This is why we believe heaven is real. Not because somebody had an accident and saw a vision and wrote a book. We we believe heaven is real because The one who died at the cross rose from the dead and the one that rose from the dead is now at the right hand of God. Right hand of God indicates the place of divine favor, authority, and honor. The Bible says in Psalm 115 verse 3, our God is in the heavens doing whatever pleases him. Verse 34 says, Jesus is at the right hand of God. How did he get there? Glad you asked. Read Acts chapter 1 verses. 16. 6 through 11, 40 days after the resurrection of Jesus, he was having a conversation with his disciples, and Jesus' lesson was interrupted by angels. His ride showed up. While he was talking, he was lifted in the clouds out of their sight, And Acts chapter 1 verse 11 says the angels looked down and said to the disciples, you men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing into the heavens? You better get busy doing what he told you to do because the same way he left, he's coming back again. Yes, he is. Where did he go? Ephesians chapter 1 tells us where he went. It says in verse 20 and 21 of Ephesians chapter 1 that the power of God was at work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name Above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the age to come. God raised Jesus twice. He first raised him from death to life and then he raised him from earth to glory. And when he got to glory the one who raised him up sat him down. and when he sat him down he put all things under his feet <clears throat> Psalm 110 verse 1 David writes the Lord said to my Lord sit at my right hand until I make all of your enemies your footstool and I declare That the prophecy of David is fulfilled in the glorification of Christ. Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 through 11 says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and has given him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadems and crown them Lord of all. He's, he's seated. That's where he's pictured in heaven right now. He's seated at the right hand of God. He's high above Ephesians says every dominion and authority and power every ruler and just in case Paul left something out he said in, in and above every name that you can name. If you can, if you can name it, it's already under his feet. Because huh. he's seated at the right hand of God. There's only one time where he's not pictured in heaven as being seated. It's in Acts chapter 7. Stephen proclaimed the risen Savior. The unbelieving crowd stoned him to death. And as he was dying, Acts 7 verses 55 and 56 says that Stephen looked into the heavens and the heavens opened and he saw the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. He's seated, but when his servant got in trouble, he stood up. And sitting or standing. If you have trusted in him. You are saved. And safe. And secure. (laughs) Case closed. If you trusted Jesus. Because of his bloody cross. His empty tomb. His occupied throne, the Christ of the empty tomb is the Christ of the occupied throne. But fortunately, case closed because of the perpetual mediation of Christ. Kind of technical, but stay with me for a minute. Romans 8 verse 34 says, who is to condemn? Christ, it is Christ Jesus who has died, more than that, he was raised, was at the right hand of God. And, and, and what is he doing at the right hand of God? Listen, church, before I tell you what he's doing, let me tell you what he's not doing. He's not condemning you. <laughs> to the contrary, he's interceding for you. You still have your Bible open, go up to verse 26. Romans 8, verse 26 says, The Spirit also helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we are. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings that words cannot express, groanings too deep for words. Watch the benefit to the believer the Holy Spirit is in the heart of the believer interceding for us. And While the Holy Spirit is in the heart interceding, the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 34, is in heaven interceding. He is, says the scriptures, interceding, note this phrase, at the end of verse 34, He's interceding for us. Just watch the language of the four phrases. Paul does not say here in verse 34 that he died for us or that he was raised for us or that he's at the right hand for us, but it does say he's interceding for us, which means not only. Has the Lord cleared your past? He's able to conquer your problems. Whatever you are going through on your journey from earth to glory, he is interceding for you before the Father. I thought you'd be more excited about that. Let me tell you why that's good news. Because Jesus can get a prayer through. (laughs) I say Jesus knows how to get a prayer through. In John chapter 11 verse 42, Jesus says to God after praying in front of the crowd, Jesus said to his father, now I just said that for the sake of the crowd. I know you always hear me. Jesus has no unanswered prayer. He always can get a prayer through. And guess what he's doing as he sits enthroned on the right hand of God the Father this very moment. He is interceding for you. I thought that'd be good news to somebody. I didn't have a witness, so I brought one for myself, Luke 22, verses 31 and 32, the night he was betrayed, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, Simon, let me warn you, Satan's been asking to sift you as wheat. Satan has been demanding that God let him get his hands on you so he can knock you down. But I want you to know I prayed for you. Y'all not listening to me here. I'm glad he didn't say to Peter uh, James and John are praying for you. Uh -uh, He said I have prayed for you. And he didn't say, watch me, that Satan is asking for you and I prayed that he doesn't get you. Mm -mm. He says, I prayed that your faith won't fail. He, He may knock you down, but I've already prayed that he don't knock you out. Even when he knocks you down, I'm praying God will pick you up again. And when you convert strengthen your brothers. That same Jesus who died at the cross, rose from the dead, and is at the right hand of the Father is interceding for you. But you notice verse 32. He who spared not his own son just to make a footnote there, that's the best he had. He who would not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not graciously with him give us all things? If God gave you the best he had in his son, won't he with his son provide whatever you need to help you make the journey? But before you can get to all things, you got to get Jesus. A man named George Wilson robbed the Federal Reserve that was being transported by train and killed a guard in the process, was condemned to death. But because the death penalty had become so controversial, President Andrew Jackson gave him a presidential pardon. To the nation's surprise, George Wilson turned it down. It became such a confusing matter that it worked its way all the way up to the Supreme Court, and then Chief Justice John Marshall wrote the deciding opinion and said, in his argument, that a pardon is just basically a piece of paper outside of how it is received. Its value is determined by its recipient. George Wilson has turned down the president's pardon. We have no idea why he has done it, but his wishes must be respected. And they hanged him. As I close, I want to say to you, friend, God, the judge, has offered you a pardon from condemnation. But you must receive it by faith in Jesus Christ. And if you run to the cross, and if you trust Jesus as your Savior and Lord, your case is closed forever. 1 John chapter 2 verse 1 says, my little children, I write these things to you so that you might not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father who is Jesus Christ the righteous. That verse, 1 John 2 and 1, records everything the Christian needs to know about sin. Two things John says, 1 John says, don't do it. Then he says, if you happen to do it, you got an advocate with the Father. That, that word advocate means a defense attorney. And the good news is, if Jesus is your Savior, when you stand before God, you won't have to say a word. He'll do the talking for you. He is an advocate with the Father, literally face-to-face with the Father. You see, in a human court, the judge sits up here and the lawyer sits down there. But because the Father is the judge and Jesus is my attorney, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father and he pleads my case face-to-face with the Father. And he says, I move that the case be dismissed. Satan, the accuser of the brother, say, oh, no, 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 no. You can't dismiss these charges. HB did it. He said it. He thought it. He felt it. He chose it. And God, your rules, not mine, your rules. Say the wages of sin is death. Somebody's got he, HB's got to pay my lawyer says, I move that the case be dismissed. Yeah, he did it, but it's already been paid for. Exhibit A, exhibit B, exhibit C. Look at the wound in the side. Hey, hey. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left its crimson stain. But he washed it. Anybody glad you've been washed this morning? He washed it. White as snow. And friend if today. You will put your trust in the crucified, risen Savior. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, how long you've been doing it. You got an attorney that has never lost a case, and he'll close your case forever. If you know he'll do it, give him praise for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
0: Thanks for listening to Cutting It Straight with Pastor H.B. Charles, Jr. If you would like more resources from Pastor Charles or to support this ministry, he can be reached online at www.hbcharlesjr.com. That's hbcharlesjr.com. Join us again for Cutting It Straight and God bless.